Hey, I'm Steve Folland. How are you doing? Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the online accounting software that puts you in control of your freelancer finances. To claim your one-month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash beingfreelance. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for copywriter Kate Toon. And I always judge everything by three things, like will I enjoy it? Do people want it and will it make me money? I worked really hard on marketing myself. I put aside big chunks of time, really just to try and build up my name. And at first you feel like you're shouting into the void because no one's listening. But over time it chips away and you start to get a little bit of traction. But I don't think there's any such thing as work-life balance. I think it's a bit of a thing that was sold, that we're meant to be these awesome working beasts and be great parents. I just think you go through phases where you're a good parent and then you're good at your job, and I think it's very hard to do both at the same time, and we need to give up that guilt. The thing is, opportunities come up, and if you're not stuck to some rigid business plan, you can take them, you can experiment, you can have a go. So there is Kate. I tell you, if you look at Kate's website, there is such an insane amount of stuff going on. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about how she's reached that point. You know, when some when you look at something and you go, wow, how are you doing all of that? Yeah, intrigued to chat to Kate. Kate is one of many stories that you will find at beingfreelance.com or wherever you find your podcast. Make sure you have hit subscribe. Remember, whilst Kate is a copywriter, it doesn't matter if you're not. It's not about the job title. It's about the being freelance. I can guarantee that whatever job they do, you'll find something to hear from. So nearly 150 stories at beingfreelance.com. So please do check them all out. We've also got articles and videos. I document my own freelance journey in quotation marks like what I get up to each week which is um yeah been quite quite full of change recently go take a look beingfreelance.com or of course on youtube you can hit subscribe on there turn on notifications so you don't miss my latest vlogs as well but if you could do us a favor other than leaving a review wherever you get your podcast that's one thing you know proper podcasters always talk about the other thing is just share it if you really enjoy this please do share it be that in person with someone at a meetup i know imagine meeting people in real life or of course the much more uh, conventional and much more comfortable way of doing it online you can share it uh, you know be it on facebook or twitter or instagram or however it's great and you can always reach out to the guests as well and copy them in so that they know how much you've enjoyed it i I know they appreciate that when you do but anyway let's crack on and chat to this week's guest freelance copywriter kate toon hey kate hello lovely to be here you're from the uk as we can tell but that's not where you are right now no, I am in um, sunny Australia, although it's dark, but it's still sunny here when it's dark because that's how cool Australia <laughs> is. But yeah, I'm originally from um, Manchester and I say Henley because it sounds posh, but really it was near Reading. So that's <laughs> how, long, how long have you been in Australia? Uh, since I was 24. So about a year? No, about 19, <laughs> about 19 years. Yeah, quite a long time. Crikey. I know. Well, as ever, let's get started hearing how you got started being freelance. God, you know, I asked myself that question. Well, I used to work in advertising. I worked at lots of the big ad agencies, came over here as a backpacker, 
and got a job at Ogilvy in Sydney, which was quite swanky because they thought I was dead impressive because I was British and, you know, obviously we're all very intelligent in England. So I worked there for a little bit uh, as a creative and also a producer, came back to the UK, did a bit there and then came back to Australia again. And I just wasn't enjoying agency life anymore. It's very hard work, but I couldn't see a way of escaping. But then I got pregnant and I had to give up my job. So I built a website and became a freelancer when I was five months pregnant and then kind of worked it out from there. And so when was that? That was 10 years ago now. If I look at your website now, there's a lot on it. What was on your website when you first started 10 years ago? It was, it was, you know what? It was black and it had flames on it because I was like... (laughs) I was a hot copywriter. That's what I said. I know. Do you like the way I did that? Like it was an image and a word tied together. That's creativity. (laughs) All those years in advertising paid off. Um, It was, I don't know. I didn't have, I'd done a bit of bits and bobs on the side, like little jobs. I had a few logos. I did anything when I started. So I did a bit of WordPress development, copywriting. I did graphic design, which is laughable because I'm the worst designer ever. I did anything that would earn me money. Um, And then over time, I kind of honed in on just purely doing copywriting and then SEO copywriting. And I did that solidly for about five years. So so when you were working, uh, you know, you've just become a mum, you've decided to go freelance. Where were you finding those first clients, even if they were to do anything? Um, I think, you know, that first year, it was definitely friends and family. So, you know, one of the tips I always give freelancers is to really tell people what you're doing because people don't understand what freelancer means. They don't really understand what copywriter means, if I'm honest. So, you know, I went out to people and said, look, this is what I'm doing. I'm writing. I'm doing this. Do you know anybody who needs anybody for anything? You know, I did a bit of stuff on LinkedIn. Yeah. Back in the day um, when LinkedIn wasn't Tinder as it is today. (laughs) (laughs) And I was, I mean, I was a little bit lucky because I had worked in the agency scene here in Sydney. So I could go back to some of those agency contacts and say hey do you need a person to do this but mostly it was friends of friends of family and you know things like that so so a lot of that would have been working with the UK would it no because at that point I'd already been um working in Australia for four or five years but I did still yeah occasionally get the odd uh, UK client but yeah mostly it was I'd, I'd, at that point I'd been back in Australia I'd been working freelance in Australia for a couple of years so I built up a little group of connections and made some friends and you know lots of your friends are starting small businesses or they you know they're having an event or they just need a flyer or this and I mean it wasn't big money I was kind of mopping up crumbs but when you start I think you know beggars can't be choosers you really have to just take whatever you get and then you start getting recommendations and then it kind of moves on from there. So yeah how did it move on from there like how how did you evolve it? Oh gosh I think I mean, I worked pretty hard. I know that sounds really obvious and boring, but, you know, I am one of these people who sits at my desk from nine till whenever and I don't get up and make a cup of tea and I don't put washing on. So I worked pretty hard and I worked really hard on marketing myself, which I know a lot of freelancers kind of don't enjoy or they get very wrapped up in their client work. But I put aside big chunks of time to make my website better. I got rid of those flames. I wrote a lot of (laughs) blog posts. I did a lot of guest blogging did a lot of Facebook advertising, worked on Twitter, LinkedIn, did YouTube videos, really just try and build up my name so that people would start thinking copywriter Kate Toon. Um, Thankfully, I have a silly name and that's helpful. So I did a lot of marketing. 
Um, and at first you feel like you're shouting into the void because no one's listening. But over time, it just it chips away and you start to get a little bit of traction. Oh, so what sort of stuff was was that like on the, on the blog posts, on the videos? What sort of content was that? Who was it aimed at? Well, I worked very hard on my SEO. As you know, sort of SEO is kind of my superpower. So I, you know, did studies. I thought, really thought about what would my audience be searching for? And they wouldn't be searching for copywriter because most people don't really know what a copywriter is. So, you know, people looking for a writer for a website. So I would, you know, SEO is a bit more complicated these days, but back in the day, you know, you'd, you'd write a page about how you were a writer for websites and what kind of websites you write. <laughs> and I would create a piece of content for that. And then maybe I'd do a whole page about video scripts copywriting, then a whole page about press release uh, copywriting. And slowly then, you know, the Google search was really where I got 80% of my clients. So people who weren't looking for who I was, but what I do, they found me that way. And I, I kind of, I went after longer tail keywords. So, you know, copywriter for financial services website, you know, not many people searching for that every month, but all I need is two or three of those a month and I'm going to hit my financial targets, you know? So it was a lot of SEO and a lot of really thinking about what my audience was looking for and then creating content to match that. And did your SEO knowledge come out of the agency world or did you teach yourself it in order to get found? It was a bit of both. So I had done a little bit of SEO, but, you know, it was in its infancy back then. I mean, we're talking 12, 13 years ago when things were very basic. But when I became a copywriter, I mean, the first thing I did was Google copywriter and saw how many of there are out there. And so, you know, yeah, I did everything that I now teach on my courses. I looked at the top 10 results. Who was there? What were they doing? What content did they have on their sites? What could I do to improve on it? They've got a page about this. Well, I'm going to have a page about this and a page about this. They've got a page about video script copywriting. I'm going to have a page about video script copywriting with a checklist and a video and pictures, <laughs> you know? So it's called skyscrapering. You kind of see what other people are doing and you build on top of it. But then I also looked at who was linking to these sites. And then if they had a link from Bob's website, I went to Bob and said, can I have a link from your website? So yeah, it was... It was hard yakka and I kind of did learn as I went along and experimented and failed. And, you know, that's been the foundation for my knowledge. And by the time I was about three or four years in, I was ranking number one to two for about three or 400 keywords related to copywriting. I mean, I kind of owned Google and I think I still rank number one for copywriter in Australia uh, after Wikipedia, even after all this time. So it paid off. It's a long burn, but it does pay off in the end. Yeah. But I, I mean, that is a lot of effort yeah. uh, and a lot of work, clearly. So how did you, I mean, you said about setting aside chunks of time. Was that like every day or like, I'm just that whole thing where, as you say, we get swept up in client work, but you were clearly making time to do that work. Yeah. So I, you know, when I started off, I only had like 20 hours a week, maybe 10 hours a week or whatever. I've always spent a good 25% of my time on working on marketing my business. So, you know, without fail, I come from an agency background where you're meant to be about 70% billable. So 70% of your time should be billable to clients. So that leaves you about 30, 25% left to do other things, whether that's admin, you know, finances or marketing. So I'm, it was a daily task, you know, but when I say it's a daily task, I don't mean I wrote some fantastic 2000 word blog post every day. I might just put a quote on LinkedIn or a really basic tip that to us seems obvious, but to someone else could be 
amazing. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, stop using the word we so much in your copy and start saying you instead. It will connect you more with your audience. You know, boom, I'm an authority. I'm a genius. I get 20 likes on <laughs> LinkedIn and someone may see that on LinkedIn and go, gosh, she's a genius. I'm going to hire her. So I think the big thing is, is I didn't overthink it. You know, I didn't have a grand strategy or a content plan. You know, if something occurred to me, I posted it and then I moved on to client work. I didn't sit there waiting for people to like it. So just little and often, but definitely a good 20 to 25% of my time has always been spent on marketing. Yeah. So all of these things, like, you know, if I was to look at you now, it might be speaking or books and, and courses. Like, has that all just gradually grown out of creating that content to promote yourself? Yeah, because I found, uh, so after about five years in, I found that a lot of my audience wasn't actually clients, it was other copywriters. And they were asking me for help and tips and asking me for my templates. So I created another business called the Clever Copywriting School to kind of service them. It's like a shop and a membership. And, you know, I thought, like, if you could, I can keep helping you for free, but it'd be quite nice to earn a bit of money out of this. So I started charging. And then the SEO stuff, you know, when people see that you rank so well, they're like, how did you do it? And so I'm like, well, I could run workshops and tell you, and then I could turn that into a little course and then a book and then another course. So yeah, it's about five years ago, I really decided that I wanted to stop exchanging my time for money because there's only so many hours in the day and there's only so much you can charge an hour before you kind of reach a bit of a ceiling. So I tried to create passive income. Ha ha ha, what a laugh. Um, and made some <laughs> products that I could make once and sell. And some of them have been great. Like I have a copy deck template that I sell. I think I've sold about two and a half thousand copies of that. It's not, it's just a word document, but that's nice little trickle of income over the last five years. Others like the course are not passive at all. You've got to be marketing them. You've got to be supporting them, helping people, answering questions. So I kind of thought I was exchanging my clients, I wouldn't have any more clients. How wonderful. Uh, so but instead of having <laughs> 10 clients a month, now I have 350 clients a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? So be careful what you wish for. But yes, it's all been very gradual. And now it looks like a lot, but it's all just built up over time. So do you not have client, client, copywriter clients now? Yeah, very, very occasionally I will take on a copywriting job just to keep my hands in or just because it's a really cool job that I want to do. Like somebody the other day wanted a video script written and I love video scripts. So I'll always sort of drop everything to do those or if it's like an ad campaign. But I guess a lot of my leads now, so I still get about 30 to 40 leads a week through my website. I just pass them all on to my communities. So, you know, I say, hey, look, I'm not free, but here's two copywriters from my community who fit the bill because often they fit the bill better than I do. Um, so, yeah, I do just pass a lot of that stuff on now. And, you know, it, it's good karma for my members and, and they enjoy that. But I never want to give it up completely because I think then I'll forget. I'll forget all the problems and then I won't be able to help people, you know. Mm. So you thought that it would be some sort of passive income, but clearly there's a lot of work involved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's opportunity to make a lot more money, but uh, there's a lot more commitment. I mean, if you're selling a course every day, someone won't be able to log into that for whatever reason, not usually user error, but you, you know, you have to help them find out what the problem is, answer that. So you know, a lot of customer services emails, you've got to have payment mechanisms, spreadsheets, Facebook groups, people signing in, signing out. So now I have a VA that helps with a lot of that. But yeah, it's, 
and it sounds overwhelming and some days it does really feel feel overwhelming. I probably get nigh on 400 emails a day and notifications on social media and it's a lot, you know, but you build processes and automations and things to kind of deal with it. And then other days you just turn your computer off and cry. But uh, <laughs> I do actually hark back to the freelance days. Like It's just an important thing to talk about, I think, because I think a lot of freelancers think, oh God, I've got to have a book and I've got to have this and I've got to have a course. But honestly, it's not really any better. It's just different. And I ultimately, I think we'll circle back to being a pure copywriter, I'll ultimately kill all my darlings and just be a copywriter again because I enjoyed it and it's much more simple and much less pressure than having hundreds and hundreds of people in groups and on courses and things. I sound very negative, mm. but that's how negative. I don't mean to be negative. It's lovely, but it's a lot of work. I think that's important because it does seem like some sort of dream, doesn't it? Or that it can seem really glossy and easy. And actually, there's a lot of work involved, both in maintaining it and marketing it. At what point did you think to or feel like you needed to get help in the form of a virtual assistant? I think when I was just crying a lot every day. Were you really? Or is no, that... I mean, I just felt that kind of tight chest feeling when I opened my inbox every morning and it was just so right. much. And also a lot of the tasks were very repetitive and I was like, this really isn't the best use of my time. You know, I'm, I'm answering all these people individually when I could just sit down and make a video that would answer it for 100 people. But, you know, I need to have a bit of breathing space to do that. So I started small. Like I got a, a VA for like a couple of hours a week and then a couple of hours more. And, you know, they the good thing about having an assistant is if they're smart, they'll be like, hey, you know the way you've been always doing it like this? Why do you do it that way? It makes no sense. And you're like, because I never looked at it before. <laughs> and they'll come up with ideas. And now I have a VA for about 30 hours a week um, and an accountant and a bookkeeper and a designer and a developer and an editor and a proofreader. So it's a little team, but none of them work for me. They're all freelancers themselves. So I'm kind of hoping I'm helping the freelance economy a little bit by passing on the love as well. Yeah. Wow. So you've gradually thought, oh, I actually, what, what came first, actually? Was it the virtual assistant out of all of those? No, the first thing was the accountant. And I would say to anybody, anybody should get an accountant. So I use accountancy software, but I don't know anything about tax and I have no interest in it. So that was the first thing I got because I don't like money. I don't understand it. So... That was the first thing. And then then a developer and then a virtual assistant. I have eight websites. So, you know, just keeping all of them up to date with plugins and hosting is a nightmare. So, again, I was like, wow. I don't want to do that. I'll give it to someone else. How have you found managing, I mean, an accountant kind of like, you know, they, they're like a cat. They sort of take care of themselves. <laughs> How have you found managing? I love that metaphor. I think that's perfect. They're self-sufficient. They lick themselves. That's, that's what I'm <laughs> They know what they're doing and yes. they go away and do it, don't they? Exactly. But the others, they need, they need managing. Yeah. It takes so how have you found that? So I use a, a software called Asana to manage mm -hmm. tasks. I used to use Basecamp, but I've moved over to Asana. I like it a bit more. So, you know, I can put tasks in there and prioritize them and give them dates and assign them to people. So that's really good. I use Slack uh, to stop emails. So I don't like getting hundreds of emails. So we use Slack and we have different channels for different clients or different jobs. Uh, so everything goes in there and I can read back through. I use Loom 
which is such a great tool. It enables you to make little screen videos of what you're doing. So, you know, when I first started out, I'd be like, hello, this is me doing this thing in a spreadsheet. Click here and click there. And then you make a little loom video and you save it. And then the VA can watch that whenever they need to do that task until they understand it. So I think when you get someone to help you, there's about a two to three month curve before they're fully autonomous you know before they can do the whole thing end to end without asking you a question and then you get to the point where I am now with my VA where I'm like can you put the thing on the thing and don't forget to add that red thing and she knows exactly what I'm talking about so uh, (laughs) she's a very patient woman so it takes time um, and you need a few different softwares and you know there will be a period where you're like it would be so much quicker to do this myself but you know just invest that half an hour and you'll never have to do that thing again that's my approach and then when it came to pricing did did you find that you know anything tricky with that because obviously it's not just you there's all these other people and I guess you don't even know how many people might buy something you know so it's it must be hard to figure out what income is going to come in yeah I mean when I was a freelancer I I was very clear on my rates you know I used calculators to work out my income my hours I was very clear on that billable time and you know I need to make this much a month I say I needed to make ten thousand dollars a month how many jobs of this type of job do I need to do to hit that you know and then I created packages and rate cards and as you said it's much cleaner isn't it I do five websites I charge two and a half grand a website I'm gonna make this much money but with my courses and stuff now I don't really know So I'm literally just about to launch my big SEO course, which I do three times a year. And I don't know if it's going to sell. I don't do any online advertising and I don't have an affiliate program. So really, it's all content marketing. All of it is just word of mouth and all the stuff that I do on socials. So I don't know. But I find that quite exciting. It could fail miserably. um, And then I'll have to think of something else to do. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's always interesting. (laughs) Did you like build up a buffer of money as you went along as when you were freelancing that enabled you to have that freedom to invest in yourself no so I had a year where I was still freelancing full-time and trying to build this stuff on the side the side hustle and that was really a miserable miserable time so you know like working all week then taking Saturday to try and build videos for a course Um, and it was really really hard but I did what I did was I sold the course then I made it So I made sure that I had, I sold like 20 spots on it for X amount. And that was enough proof of concept that then I would make it. So I was literally making videos and worksheets the night before they were due to be released. But I didn't want to build the thing and then hope people would come. I wanted to sell the thing and then make it. But yeah, I had, I mean, I had a few tough years. It's a lot easier now because everything's built and I'm just tweaking it. But it was hard. There's no denying that I worked some very long hours and was very stressed. Um, And I had no buffer. Now I have a buffer. Um, and I think as a freelancer, it's great to have the, I was going to say F off money. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that. The go away money um, so that you've got enough money to go, actually, I don't want to work for that client. You can go away and I'm all going to be all right because I've got a three month buffer in my bank account that make, means that mm. I don't have to accept every job that comes in. This whole story started with you becoming a mum. Yeah. So hidden away in amongst all of this as well is the pressures of family life and work-life balance. How, how have you coped with that? Well, I don't think there's any such thing as work-life balance. I think it's a bit of a thing that was sold, that we're meant to be these awesome working beasts and be great parents. I just think you go through phases where you're a good parent and then you're good at your job. And I think it's very hard to do both at the same time and we need to give up that guilt. My husband is also self-employed. Um, 
you know, we made sacrifices. We try and be there for pickups and drop-offs. We occasionally miss the event at school. Um, you just do your best. And I think I've really tried to give up on that guilt and go, I'm a good example to my son of, 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 of a woman. I mean, whether you're a man or a woman, but, you know, somebody who's making their own money, working for themselves. I'm at home a lot. Yes, I'm not necessarily sat next to him watching him play Fortnite, but I'm here and he's loved and he's provided for. And I think that's all you can do. And at least I'm not commuting two hours a day to some horrendous office job and getting home after he's gone to bed. So mm. I kind of give myself a bit of a break on that one. Do you do you do the same? Yeah. You have you've got kids. Well, I'm feeling the same about Fortnite. The way I justify <laughs> that is that when eventually Armageddon comes, he can he can look after me. He he is a fabulous sniper, and I th- feel like I'm going to be okay. Well, we had a great discussion about silences yesterday, and I was really <laughs> delighted that my ten year old knows what a silencer is. What a, what a beautiful time we live in. But there you go. Yeah, you're right. It's that that whole you can feel guilty when you're working and guilty when you're you're not working. Like it it can be really hard to shrug that off and just think, oh, do you know what? I'm just doing okay. I'm doing my best, and I think kids. Yeah. Kids are just happy that you're there, you know? Um, And I think, you know, boundaries are important. So these days I do not work at the weekend. Like it would take no amount of money or rush fees would make me work at a weekend. I don't really do much stuff in the evening, um, apart from this wonderful podcast, which I'm very grateful to do. Um, And, you know, I kind of set time boundaries, but that doesn't mean that I'm not sometimes sort of half listening and doing some social media on my phone. That's just life, you know? I think it's just... It's really hard running your own business. That's why most people don't do it. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned, you know, clearly we're doing this podcast, but yeah, you have three of your own. I know. How did you first start doing that? How, how, you, presumably you're enjoying it because you've been doing it a, a few years. Well, I love talking to people and I'm sure you do too. Like it's, you meet some really amazing people doing it. And I think my friend Belinda got me started. We have a podcast called the Hot Copy Podcast where we talk about copywriting. And she really drove that and she asked me to be involved with it and she's kind of kept it going because I am a bit lax. Like I'll be like, I don't want to do it this week. And she's like, we have to. And it's been powerful in terms of building up authority. And, you know, when people listen to you week after week after week, either they hate you (laughs) or they grow to really like you. I mean, I would take a bullet for some of the people who present the podcast that I love, like Reply All and This American Life. I love them. Um, it's a really intimate connection because usually you listen to podcasts when you're doing something you enjoy, like walking the dog or you know having a bath or something. And so you become associated with that enjoyable thing. And I think people grow very fond of you. And that's been very powerful for my business. And I just really enjoy it, I think. So it sounds like the having almost like a, the accountability of somebody like doing it in a pair has has helped it has and the one that I have that I don't do in a pair the SEO podcast if you look at the episode release dates you'll see it's like she released three in a week and then there was none and then two and then there was none because I'm also like I really think consistency is highly overrated I have to say that to myself so I'm consistent in turning up every day and doing the things but I'm not like no one's gonna no one's gonna die if I don't release a podcast this week or if I don't do that Instagram post no one cares so I think we just put too much pressure on ourselves you know if it's there people will enjoy it but no one's gonna be like writing me angry emails going 
I was expecting a podcast on Wednesday and it wasn't there. And if they do, I will be like, mm. get a life. Go outside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've said that to people where you go, you know, ultimately, if you can't do it, it doesn't matter. And yeah. yet finding that consistency, like that getting into the rhythm of something definitely helps you get going. Like if you hadn't got into the rhythm of writing your blog post or, or whatever, it wouldn't have grown the way it did. It wouldn't, but now that's gone out the window. And now I have no consistency and no rhythm. And I'm, I desperately try to like say, Mondays will be the day for this. Tuesdays will be the, I'm trying to, I'm a very hospital corners kind of person. I like things to be organized, but business just isn't like that. And I've just given up trying to squeeze it into little boxes. Things come up and you can't just go, it's Tuesday. I don't do this on a Tuesday because <laughs> life doesn't work like that. So I just do what I can and I just chip away and I forgive myself a little bit. And, and, and as I said, most people don't care. I think they're just, they're just glad when you do something good and they're happy. Yeah. So you've obviously built your own community of copywriters online. How about in, in real life as well? Like who's, who's around you face to face? It's funny because the first five or six years of my business, I was really anti-networking and actually meeting humans. I think I'm a, an ambivert, so I, I do like being sociable, but I like it to stop when I want it to stop. Like, I'm done now. I want to go home. But this last couple of years, I've really tried to get out and meet copywriters. So I launched Australia's first copywriting conference over here last couple of years ago. I've run that twice now. We had about 160 copywriters come together. Who knew there were that many copywriters in Australia? <laughs> so now, and now we have regular meetups around Australia. So I go to Melbourne and Sydney and we meet up and, it, and it's great. I think being a freelancer is hugely isolating and obviously places like Facebook communities are fantastic for building connections, but physically meeting someone and having you know a cup of tea or a glass of wine there's nothing like it there really isn't and so I really try and encourage that now for myself and for the members of my community trying to bring them out from their pajamas out of their <laughs> out of their bedrooms and into the real world blinking and terrified but it's it's good really good man how I mean how did that feel like like putting on a conference <laughs> that's quite it's quite a thing it is a thing and I don't know anything about event management but I'm the sort of person who's like you know the sort of person who says I'm gonna run the marathon and they put it on Facebook and they're like oh god I've told everybody I'm gonna to have to run the marathon so that's what I was like I was like let's have a get together I think I had about 70 people in my community then let's have a get together and we could all do a bit of speaking and it'd be good and then it evolved into like an event it got a bit bigger and then we had more people and then, you know, I was working out like we're going to have cupcakes and what we're going to have for lunch. And then it was a conference. So it kind of evolved again, you know, and then the next year I was a bit more confident. So we got a bigger venue. We had more people. We had more high profile speakers. We had uh, somebody dial in from the US. It was all very impressive. Um, and then next year it's in Melbourne in a very iconic building. It's called the Melbourne Arts Centre, which is is quite famous over here. And it's even bigger and I'm flying people in from America and stuff. I don't know what I'm wow. doing. Sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, who the hell do you think you are? Um, <laughs> but, you know, it just all evolves. And the good thing is, is the com copywriting community is really supportive. So, you know, they're all like, yeah, we'll buy a ticket. And they do. You know, it's not like these people who go, yeah, run an event. And then you run it and they're like, yeah, I can't come. They actually turn up and it's, it's an event for the community and they support it. So it doesn't make me a huge amount of money, but that was never the goal. But it's really good fun. It's like planning a big party once a year and uh, I get to choose all the decorations and stuff. It's fun. 
Wow. It's fun like it, when you quit your you know, quit your job to have your kid. I know. Yeah, you didn't have this goal in mind, did you? I had no goal in mind. I just wanted to earn a bit of money because my husband was just starting out doing his business. So no, I've had I've, and I've never been I never had a business plan. I don't set goals, I don't set targets, I don't sit down at the end of the year and go, What's my why? What's my higher purpose? I just keep keep on keeping on. And I always judge everything by three things, like, will I enjoy it? Do people want it? And will it make me money? And if it ticks those three boxes, it doesn't have to make a lot of money necessarily, but that's enough for me. And it's worked for 10 years. And I think the thing is, opportunities come up. And if you're not stuck to some rigid business plan, you can take them, you can experiment, you can have a go. And if it fails, well, who cares? So that's always been my approach. And I still don't have a business plan. I don't know what I'm doing next year or the year after. I don't really know what I'm doing next month. So it, yeah, I just keep on keeping on and that seems to work. It's good. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie. And let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me, Kate? Okay. Uh, I was a dancer on a cruise ship for a year. I have <laughs> kissed Damon Albarn from Blur. And I can play the recorder with my nose. <laughs> Is that what you were after? Or did you want grown-up stuff? Oh, no. Kiss Damon Albarn. What are we talking, like a peck on the cheek? No, like proper. Proper kiss, Damon yeah. Albarn. Yeah. I used to write music reviews. I went to see them. I got invited to the after show party. There was dancing. Yeah, Damon, he's a good-looking man. I mean, I think if you met him, you'd probably want to kiss him. I don't know. He sometimes looks like he needs a wash. Now, Dancer on a... Back in his back <laughs> day, he was cleanly. I can I can vouch for that. Or can I? Dance on a... Uh, where was the cruise? Well, it goes from places to places, so it was around the Mediterranean. <laughs> yeah, around the where? The Mediterranean. Have you heard the of Mediterranean. it? Mediterranean. Yeah, yeah, okay. Blue wobbly thing. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you get a copywriting job for the Mediterranean <laughs> Tourist Board. Come and take a plunge in the blue wobbly thing. <laughs> you can play the recorder with your nose. When did you discover that you could do that? I've been able to do it from a very early age, to be honest. Um, and I, I, I practice regularly to make sure that I still retain this. You've skill. maintained it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've not checked your LinkedIn profile. Do you have an endorsement for that there? or No, but I do on my LinkedIn profile have that I'm a hula hooper. And that, <laughs> that is a lie. But it just oh, sounded so Really? Because I said I was a copywriter, SEO expert, and everyone else had three things. And back then I didn't have a third thing. So I was like, hula hooper. And so many people have <laughs> since asked me about it. And I cannot hula hoop at all. But I left it up there because it sounds good. So there you go. I'm already a liar. I've established that. Don't. Dancer, Damon Albarn recorder. Okay, I don't think you can play the recorder with your nose. Wrong. It was <sighs> Damon, Damon and the recorder. I've never been a dancer on a cruise ship. No. Fail. If you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? That it would all be okay that the feast and famine is part of it. And if you try to think that there will never be feast and famine, it's always going to be feast and famine. It's going to be highs and lows. And that's that's the joy of it. But it's so worth it. I wish I'd done it a bit earlier. I think I wouldn't have been as good a freelancer because I'd have been too immature. But I'm so glad I went freelance. I wouldn't go back to a real-time job, if you a real proper job, if you paid me a fortune. I just love the freedom and the creativity. So I think it would just be, it will all be okay. You will be ups and downs. It's a roller coaster. But at least you get to choose your own seat. There you go. <laughs> 
Oh, that's good. That's why she gets the big bucks yeah, when she anyway. uh, when she takes them. That and the big blue wobbly thing. Um, <laughs> go to beingfreelance.com. I will put links. It is, I was going to say I'll put links through to what everything that Kate is up to, but that would be a lot of links. But I would definitely link to Kate's website where there are many links through to everything that she's up to. Yeah, you can follow the links through and, of course, follow Kate on various social media check out her podcast and her but we didn't even touch on the book um books as well actually there was one thing i meant to ask you about the book though because uh, well i think you have more than one but one of them is confessions of a misfit entrepreneur and uh, yeah it was that term misfit yeah i think because if you could see me now i'm quite scruffy and i'm not very glamorous and I don't lie on Porsches counting money and pouring champagne over myself, which is what entrepreneurs are supposed to do. Or they're supposed to do TED Talks with a Madonna microphone using gesticulating a lot. I don't do that. So, yes, I guess I am an entrepreneur in that I take risks. I have lots of different businesses and I make an all right amount of money. But I'm a bit messy and scruffy and I don't have a plan. So that's what the book's about, really. <laughs> about how you don't have to pay $10,000 to do some course that teaches you how to make seven figures and you don't have to have a smart casual suit and a lapel mic. You can just be in your pants, in your hut, in your back garden and still do okay. What a wonderful image to leave everyone on. Go to beingfreelance.com. Don't forget to check out the other episodes, sign up for the newsletter, check out the videos and all of that jazz as well. But for now, Kate, thanks so much. Absolute pleasure chatting to you and all the best being freelance. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you.